0: section 30 of the fairchild family this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org recording by rui huck the fairchild family by mary martha sherwood guests at mr fairchild's the night after emily's story had been read there was a violent thunderstorm and rain which continued more or less till daybreak it was fine again after sunrise at breakfast a note was brought by a boy from mrs Goodrich. these were the words of it dear mr fairchild since that happy day we spent together we have been in what suki calls a peck of troubles and to crown all last night one of our old chimneys was struck with lightning part of it fell immediately i am thankful to be able to say that by the care of providence no one was hurt we are all got into a corner out of the reach of it should it fall though it might yet stand for years as it is i have other things to talk to you about and was thinking of coming over to you if this accident had not happened now i must ask you to come to me i have sent for workmen to consult about this chimney but i shall have more confidence if you are here i must be off immediately after breakfast said mr fairchild and he did set off in his little carriage as soon as he had set henry to work mr fairchild saw the top of the ragged chimney over the trees in the garden as soon as he came up to the gate he himself put up the horse and carriage for he could see no man about and then went in at the back door expecting to find mrs Goodrich at the end of the house farthest from the chimney Suki was the first person he saw oh sir she said i am so glad you are come we shall be all right now nay said mr fairchild jestingly i hope you don't expect me to repair the chimney is that mr fairchild cried the cheerful voice of mrs Goodrich, and in the next minute she came out of her parlour followed by a tall, round-faced girl of about twelve years of age, in very deep mourning. My niece, Mr. Fairchild, said Mrs. Goodrich, but tell me, have you breakfasted? And when she heard that he had, come with me, kind friend, she said. We will first look at the ruin, and then I have other things to talk to you, and to consult you about. So, Bessie, do you stay behind? You are not to make one in our consultations. Mrs. Goodriche and Mr. Fairchild then walked into the garden, and we will tell in as few words as possible what they talked about. First, they spoke of the chimney, and Mr. Fairchild said he could give no opinion about it till the owner of the house and the masons came, and they were expected every hour. Mrs. Goodrich said that she had lived in that house nearly twenty years, and should not be sorry to leave it, but that she and Suki on windy nights often felt that they should be glad to be out of it and yet said mr fairchild it may stand long after you and i still it is a wide dull place for two persons and very solitary i wish i could get a house your way replied mrs Goodrich. though now we shall be more than myself and suki and this brings me to the subject i wanted to consult you about before the business of the chimney Mr. Fairchild knew that Mrs. Goodrich had had one only brother who had gone abroad when young as a merchant. He had married and had one son. This son had also married, and Bessie was the only child of his son. Mrs. Goodrich's brother had died years ago, as had also his son's wife, at which time her nephew had sent his daughter home and placed her in a school in some seaport in the south of England, where she had, it seemed, learned little or nothing. Within the last month, Mrs. Goodrich had heard of the death of her nephew and that she was left as guardian of his daughter. "'I had an acquaintance going to Plymouth only last week,' she added, "'and I got him to take charge of Bessie and bring her here. "'She has been with me only a few days and is very glad to leave school, "'which does not speak well for her governess.' Or if not for her governess, for herself. As to what she is, I can as yet say little, added the old lady, except that she seems to be affectionate and good tempered. But she is also idle, wasteful, and ignorant in the extreme. She can't read even English easily enough to amuse herself with any book. And as to sewing, she's ready at a sampler, but could not put the simplest article of clothing together with regard to any knowledge of the bible i much doubt if she can tell if the tower of babel was built before or after the flood she is a determined gossip and a great talker but suki to whom she is always chattering assures me that she has never heard her say anything bad beyond nonsense you mean to keep her with you asked mr fairchild i do said mrs Goodrich. I think it my duty and I am far from disliking the poor thing she has had so much schooling and gained so little by it that if i could get a good writing and maybe a ciphering master to attend her i think i could do the rest myself and impart to her some of the old-fashioned notions of industry and neatness and management but this is a subject i wanted to consult you and mrs fairchild about for i so much like your plans with your own dear children Mrs. Fairchild had asked her husband to invite Mrs. Goodrich to their house until the chimney could be repaired, but Mr. Fairchild was doubtful whether this message should be delivered when he heard that Miss Bessie was to remain with her great-aunt. After a little thought, however, he gave the message, stating his difficulty at the same time. "'Well,' said Mrs. Goodrich, "'I hardly know what to say.' I should like to come to you, and I should like Bessie to see your children and your family plans. But as I know so little of her, I know not whether it would be right to let her mix with your children. You shall think the matter over, my good friend, and consult your wife, and be sure, whichever way the thing is settled, I shall not be offended. When the men came to look at the chimney, it was found that the mischief might be remedied by a few days' work so far as to make the chimney safe. But it was also seen that the house wanted many repairs. I think, said Mrs. Goodrich, that I must give notice to quit this coming midsummer. I shall still have half a year to look about me. The fright last night seems to have been sent to oblige me to settle my plans. I feel that this place is not exactly what will suit my niece. Young people must have company. And... If they are not where they can find their equals, they will fly to their inferiors. Bessie will make intimacies with every cottager in the wood, and I shall not be able to help it. I believe you are right, Mrs. Goodrich, replied Mr. Fairchild, and I wish we could find a house for you in our village. Mr. Fairchild looked very anxiously at Bessie when he saw her again. There was a great appearance of good temper, and kindness about her which pleased him. She had a round, rosy face and laughing eyes, but her clothes, although quite new, were already out of place and falling from one shoulder. She talked incessantly, whether he did or not, and seldom said anything to the purpose. "'If I were to begin to find fault with her,' said Mrs. Goodrich to Mr. Fairchild, i could never have done not that she's constantly committing heavy offences but she never does anything in the right way what shall i do with her my good friend we will talk over the affair at home replied mr fairchild and you shall see me again to-morrow the next day accordingly brought mr fairchild and with him mrs fairchild well my good madam said he we have settled it we shall be glad to see you and miss bessie we have spoken to Lucy and Emily, and they have promised to attend to all our wishes and to inform us if anything should be said or done which they think we should not approve. So when shall I fetch you? Say to-morrow? To-morrow then, replied Mrs. Goodriche. To-morrow evening, by which time I shall have settled things at home and provided a person to be with Suki. After an early dinner, Mr. and Mrs. Fairchild went home. The next morning, Mrs. Fairchild had some conversation with her little girls. "'You have never, my dears,' she said, "'been in a house for any time with a young person whose character we do not know. "'But it seems that it is required of us now to receive such a one. "'Mrs. Goodrich is an old and very dear friend. "'She is in trouble, and she has some hopes that her niece may be benefited "'by being for a while in an ordinary family.' you and emily may be some help to her but if you are led by her or are unkind to her or show that you think yourselves better than she is you may not only be hurt yourselves but very much hurt her instead of doing her good oh mamma replied lucy i hope we shall not do that pray tell us every day exactly what to do be assured that i will my children said mrs fairchild and we will not fear. You will not dislike Bessie. She is a good-tempered merry girl. But you must not let her be alone with Henry. Her very good humour may make her a dangerous companion to him. Mr. Fairchild went after dinner to fetch Mrs. Goodrich and Bessie, and just before tea, Henry came in to say the carriage was coming. He ran out again, as fast as he could, to see the gate open mrs fairchild and the little girls met their visitors at the door bessie jumped out of the carriage and without waiting for the names to be spoken gave her hands to lucy and emily she kissed lucy and would have kissed emily if she had not got behind mrs fairchild and that was henry she said he is a nice little fellow i know all the names and john's and betty's too suki has told me about betty just such another as herself. What a pretty place this is! Not like aunt's old barn of a house. I feel at home here already. Whilst the young lady was prattling in this manner, Mrs. Fairchild was showing Mrs. Goodrich to her sleeping room. She had put up a little couch bed in the corner of the same room for Bessie, as she had no other room to give, and this had been settled between the ladies the day before. Mrs. Goodrich had told her niece to follow her upstairs, which Miss Bessie might perchance have done after a while, had not Betty appeared coming from the kitchen to carry up the luggage. "'This is Betty,' said Miss Bessie. "'How do you do, Betty? "'Suki told me to remember her to you.' "'Very well, thank you, Miss,' said Betty, with a low curtsy, as she bustled by with a bandbox." Mrs. Goodrich now appeared, and speaking to her niece from the stairhead, said, Come up, Bessie, and pull yourself to rights before tea. "Shan't I do, Miss Lucy, said Bessie. Auntie is so particular. She does not know that I made a monstrous slit in my frock as I got into the carriage. I pinned it up, however, as well as I could, though I was forced to take the pins out of my dress for it. I shall run it up tomorrow, for if she sees it, poor i will be forced to darn it thread by thread so do lend me a pin or two dear girls betty now appeared again with a message to the young lady to go upstairs to her aunt and then bessy hurried off so rapidly taking two steps at a time that lucy and emily expected she would have a second slit in her dress to mend the next day she did not appear again till told that tea was ready when she came down after her aunt Mrs. Goodrich looked all kind and calm as usual. She seemed quite pleased to find herself with her friends, though no doubt she was a little uneasy, lest her niece should disgrace herself. As Bessie passed Lucy to go to a seat near Mrs. Fairchild, she whispered, Aunt has found the slit, and poor I will be set to the darning tomorrow. The whole party was seated before Henry came in he had been seeing john put up the carriage john had been busy and henry trying to help so henry was not like the boy who helped his brother to do nothing well master henry said miss bessie calling over to the other end of the table so you speak to my aunt and say you are glad she's come and you don't speak to me because ma'am henry began eh cried miss bessie don't call me ma'am and she burst into a giggle which made henry open his eyes and look very hard at her this made her laugh the more and as she had her tea-cup in her hand she spilled a quantity of tea on the unfortunate black frock bessie cried mrs goodriche gently you had better set down your cup and wipe your frock or i shall have to ask mrs fairchild to lend you one of henry's pinafores it is not hurt aunt and it will come out i threw a cup of milk over it the other day and no one could see the mark unless i stood quite opposite them and they looked quite hard at it well then miss bessie said mrs goodriche when you wear that frock or any other of your frocks which people should not look hard at i would advise you to keep in the background "'Aunt is making sport of me, Mrs. Fairchild,' said Bessie with another giggle. "'Do you know what she means? "'She's advising me, in her cunning way, "'always to keep in the background of company.' "'Always?' said Mr. Fairchild smilingly. "'Why, have you not any dresses which would bear close inspection?' "'Not many, I fear,' replied Miss Bessie. "'I was always uncommon unlucky in tearing my clothes and getting them stained.' suppose we say careless said mrs goodriche but it is no laughing matter niece have you never heard the old saying willful waste makes woeful want well well replied the niece with something like a sigh i can't help it i never could but before mrs goodriche could say another word she cried out have you got a magpie have you not henry how could you know that asked henry Suki told me, she answered, and Mary Lampet told her. Mary was with the person who gave you the magpie when she sent it to you. Who is Mary Lampet? said Henry. One of Bessie's new friends, said Mrs. Goodriche, a woman who sometimes comes for a day's work to my house. And such a curious old body, said Miss Bessie. She wears a blue striped petticoat and she generally has a pipe in her mouth. "'Never mind her, my dear,' said Mrs. Goodriche. "'Mr. and Mrs. Fairchild and I have a good deal to say to each other. "'We do not often meet, and we wish to have our share of talking. "'It is not for one person, and that one of the youngest, "'to have all the talk to herself.'" Instead of noticing this remark, Miss Bessie looked round the table. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, she said. "'Aunt, you are wrong.' I am not one of the youngest. There are three older and three younger than me. I am jack-in-the-middle, and therefore I have a right to talk to the old people and to the young ones, too, and therefore I may talk most. Henry was being gradually worked up by Miss Bessie to think that he might be as free as she was, and he began with, Well, now, is not that very odd? My dear Henry, said Mr. Fairchild, did you not hear mrs goodriche say she thought that young people should not have all the talk to themselves don't scold him said bessie he meant no harm mrs goodriche looked distressed her niece saw it and was quiet for at least a minute or two and then she began to talk again as if nothing had happened when tea was over and everybody risen from the table before it was settled what was to be done next Henry walked out through the glass doors into the garden. He was going to feed Mag. Bessie saw him and called after him. He did not answer her. Perhaps he did not hear her. She called again. He was farther off and did not turn. You little rogue, she cried out, but I will pay you. And off she ran after him. He heard her step and her voice as she called him. He took to his heels through the shrubbery and to the gate of the forkyard, into the yard, round the barn, amongst the hay ricks, across the new mown field, and over a five-barred gate, using all his speed, and yet gaining no ground upon her. So back again he came to where he knew John would be, and making up to him, he got so behind him that he put him between Bessie and himself. There the three were in the fold-yard, Bessie trying to catch Henry, who was dodging about round John, when Mr. Fairchild, who had followed Bessie, came up. Miss Goodriche, she said, "'let me lead you to your aunt. She's asking for you, my dear young lady,' he added, drawing her a little aside. "'Let me venture to point out to you as a father that it is not becoming in a girl of your years to be romping with a servant-man.' ''I was after Henry, sir,'' she replied. ''It was after him I was going, sir, I assure you.'' ''I dare say you set off to run after Henry, my dear young lady,'' he replied. ''But when I first saw you, you were pushing John about, first to one side and then on the other, in a way I should call romping. And I am not right when I say that I think, even now, you have not spoken one word to him, and that you only guess he is my servant John.'' what would you think miss goodriche if you were to see my daughter lucy suddenly run and do the same with yonder labourer in that meadow and yet she may know him quite as well if not better than you do john la mr fairchild cried miss bessie laughing how you do put things i never thought what i was doing it must have looked uncommon strange but i hope i shan't do it again then you had better go in with me to your aunt, and if she approves, you shall help Lucy and Emily in their little garden. Mrs. Fairchild and Mrs. Goodrich were only waiting for Miss Bessie to follow the little girls into the garden. And there, whilst they worked and chatted together, Lucy and Emily and Miss Goodrich were employed in cutting off faded flowers and picking up the dead leaves from the ground. Section 30